you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to do all the above today. We'll talk about a little minor tune-up. Just get your spark plugs changed. We'll talk about major overhauls. We'll talk about pulling out the engine and transmission if you need that. If you need a major overhaul. You know, it's just a wonderful time of year to be looking at where are we. We're already into the third month of what still seems like a brand new year. So while we talk about it being the beginning of a new year, and it sure feels like it is, we're already into the third month. So I hope you're on track with what you want to accomplish. I'm having a lot of fun with my major projects that I'd laid out. As you know, I have mine laid out by November 15th of every year, so I know what I'm going to be getting into when I start the year. Now, to be honest, I'm behind schedule. I'm not exactly where I wanted to be with some of my major projects, but that's okay. I'm not going to just admit defeat, feel like a failure, go crawl in a hole. Nah, I'm closer than I was. I mean, that's what I look at. I look at what is the progression from where I was to where I am now, even if I'm not on track with where I wanted to be. So instead of having all the materials as an example, ready for the 48 day seminar, or I've got the workbooks completed, the videos done, the leader's guide completed. I don't have those things finished. I just got the first working draft of the workbook itself. Now I need to go through that page by page, item by item, add anecdotal stories, charts, graphs, and things to go with that. It's going to take me a while. So I'm, I'm behind schedule, but I'm confident that by the end of this year, I'm going to have a major project, that major project in place with some amazing potential that is expanded beyond what I thought was going to be there when I first started on that. Anyway, I encourage you to look at your goals in the same way. If you're not exactly on track with where you wanted to be, pat yourself on the back for the progress that you've made and go on. Well, hey, our sponsor for today is Harry's, my friends at harrys.com. I'll tell you how you can get a discount there in just a little bit. Free shipping on the most outstanding, excellent razor in the world. So stay tuned. I want to give you more information on that. Here's some of the things that we'll be looking at today. Somebody says, I'm now in my early 40s, struggling to stay motivated and questioning whether being an attorney is the best fit for my personality. Someone else wants to know what business ideas, Dan, came to your mind when you visited Kenya last year. Now, there's just some questions. There's a theme here, and I almost thought about just taking one theme for today because there were so many questions that were related to this one idea. And I've got a quotation that's going to draw on this in a little bit anyway. But somebody says, deep down, I don't think I'm really worthy of these big ideas and dreams. Ouch. Now, that's something worth looking at. Well, here's another one. I'm currently in a tough job situation where I'm barely getting by. And then a question, if we get to it, why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Is it because they both keep doing the same things? Now, that's a big question. We could write a book on that one. Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poor? Yeah, there are reasons for that. Here's our quotation. We'll just blast into this and see how far we can get. This comes from Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Now, it was precipitated by a question that I'm going to 
read to you in a little bit. But Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who was the author of Psycho-Cybernetics, said, accept yourself as you are. Otherwise, you will never see opportunity. You will not feel free to move toward it. You will feel you are not deserving. Okay, now that's what I really want to kind of unpack. And that has more in it than what we can possibly address in just one short 40-minute segment. But it's a theme that keeps coming up where people are undermining potential success because they don't really feel they deserve it. Now, we see this borne out a lot. I mean, we see it in NFL football players. Somebody comes out of the ghetto, they've known nothing but poverty, and all of a sudden, somebody pops $20 million into their bank account. Well, sure, they go buy Ferraris, they go nuts, everybody sees them as an ATM, and six months later, they're broke, discouraged, and back in the ghetto. They sabotaged what they had because their sense of deserving did not match the reality of where they were. So if, if you want to prepare for wealth, don't just look for big dollars. Look at ways to improve your own self-image. Now, this is not just about being egotistical and self-centered. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. We're gonna, I'm going to frame it in some of the questions that have come in. But it's a really important issue. Your, let, let me go back again just um I'll give you that quotation again one more time. Accept yourself as you are. Otherwise, you will never see opportunity. You will not feel free to move toward it. You will feel you are not deserving. So that's going to be some of what we frame for today. Now, I want to tell you about my friends at Harry's before we go any farther. You've heard me talk about it. I've got my orange handled razors We've been gone for a couple of weeks. We went on a cruise and they did some other traveling. You know, I make sure that I got a Harry's razor at every possible bag suitcase location. So I will never be caught without it. I can't imagine again, having to go down at a hotel saying, gee, I forgot my razor. You know, give me one of those 29 cent Bix you've got. That's going to tear my face up. Well, the, the deal is you got to have something that's classy for something that's that important. Just have something classy. I mean, Harry's was started by two guys who were passionate about creating a better shaving experience as they certainly have for me. And a lot of others that I'm hearing about, I'd love to hear your stories. I mean, I love to see photos that you guys are sending me. Wives are sending me. I love those. Just shoot those in to ask Dan at 48 days.com. I love to share those with other people, but certainly Harry's delivers a superior shave I mean, you've heard me talk about the fact they bought a factory in Germany. It's five blades that are closely placed together. And the starter kit they've got is just 15 bucks. I mean, that includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming gel. I mean, for 15 bucks. And here's the deal. Go to harrys.com now. Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in my code. And guess what that is? 48 days with your purchase. Just H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter the coupon code 48 days. Get $5 off your starter kit. Always free shipping. You're ready to go. Make a good decision. Baby yourself. Reward yourself. Well, hey, here's some success stories. And they're all over the place. For those of you who are involved in 48days.net, I mean, you see what's happening there. Probably have a better pulse on it than what I do. 
But the stories coming out of there are just amazing. I mean, Alan McCall, uh, he, he says, you know, this is no April Fool's joke as we're approaching April Fool's here. He says, over 10 years of planning, working behind the scenes, dealing with engineering details, and finally filing, I'm filing the FCC application. I have a construction permit for an FM radio station. I'm 55 years old. It's safe to say this has been my dream since I was a young teenager. Twice tried before to get stations and lost. But on February 6th, the FCC granted me the permit to build WDXD 101.9 in Tallahassee, Florida. So they, they're putting up a tower. Uh, they've got a, he's got a tower going up, a 180-foot tower, and is building this to build out his radio station. Now, that's just a cool kind of thing. I mean, I don't, he, I don't even know. Well, it says he's going to feature classic country music, Christian music and programs on weekends, old-time country gospel on Sunday nights, and then other local programs. So doing his own radio station, not just a radio show on an existing station, but creating his own station. Golly, what a, what a cool dream to be carrying out. Well, some other things from there, Derek and Carrick Olson have just released their newest book, One Bed, One Bank Account. I did an endorsement for that. Really well done. They're smart people in the financial arena. Jeff Goins, a lot of you know Jeff. He has a new book out, The Art of War. Oh, my gosh. can't believe I said that. The Art of Work. The Art of Work. Obviously, there is a famous book, The Art of War, but this is The Art of Work, Jeff Goins' new book. And I did an endorsement for that one. But really well done. You can check that out. Easy to find. Eva Scott has a new book out, Joy and Trouble, Joined at the Hip. Camelia Craigus has a book out, How to Get Out of Debt, Living to Paycheck to Paycheck. Um, Mickey Vanderloo has a new course online, Grants for All, a course on how to get grant money. Got a note from Scott Harpool. This is just wanted to let you know about the success of my children's bedtime story, Sleepy beach i was able to get over a hundred reviews in about 40 days or so and the book is currently rated number four for all the bedtime and dreaming section in amazon thanks for your personal review and so much encouragement via the podcast well he says here you know i've been out of pocket for a week so this i'm getting this note a little behind what his time frame is here because he was giving away free copies Kindle copies of Sleepy Beach. You can go there and check it out. I'm not sure when, by the time you're hearing this, it'll still be available, but thanks to Scott for that note. We got a lot of things coming up. I want to keep you abreast of the, our launch conference that I'm doing with my friend Ken Davis. That's coming up in Orlando, April 13th to 16th. We're going to walk you through the process of discovering your assets, designing your product, developing your market, determining your value, then we got an event coming up in August with Carrie uh, Oberbrunner up in Ohio. It's going to be, the first day is going to be actually inside the prison where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. Now, by next week, I'm going to have, we actually have a clip already up that is just mind-blowing. But I want to make sure some other things are in place before I direct you to that. I want to be sharing with you about that. And that, we're going to have two days that are focused on how to escape your own prison. You know, if you're, if you're not feeling worthy, as an example, how do you escape that? How do you get beyond that to go ahead and release the success that you know is waiting there for you? So that's going to be August 19th and 20th up in Ohio. Again, Escaping Shawshank is the website for that. 
but I'll have some more goodies for you connected with that in next week's podcast. Well, with that, let's go ahead and just uh, make that the end of our We Are the Champions segment here. Little success stories. If you got a success story, make sure you let me know. You can just send it to askdan at 48days.com. Be happy to include it in an upcoming show, sharing in this segment. We love to hear your stories about where you've taken action and done things. And haven't just waited around, put a plan in place, moved right ahead of the pack. Now you got a success story to tell as a result of that. All right. Of the world, let's move into some of the questions here. This comes from Kathy. Kathy says, what do you recommend when a person has two passions that they love equally? For instance, I love animals and wilderness, outdoors. And at the other end of the spectrum, I love travel and tourism. Do you recommend trying to combine the two? If so, how? And just to muddy the waters a bit more? Um, I would really like to work for myself. I'm 52 years old and I think I'm a better fit for me as a boss. How would you combine both passions and make it into your own business? Any advice would be so appreciated. Well, really, Kathy, I don't think that what you describe, loving animals and wilderness outdoors, and then loving travel and tourism are unrelated. There, there should be a lot of ways to connect those two. Here's a quick example. We just got back from the 48 Days Cruise. We left from Fort Lauderdale, went down to Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico, then down to St. Kitts, and then St. Martin on this particular trip. Chris Niemeyer is our travel agent. He went with us. Now we had about 90 people in this particular group. So he went with us, but he also did a whole bunch of things at all of those ports. So there were groups that went through the rainforest and saw the exotic animals, you know, on some of these islands, they went zip lining. Uh, there were some who took helicopter rides. There were some who took plane rides over the islands. Some who went snorkeling, some went scuba diving, Chris participates in a whole lot of that stuff. He has been all over the world. He loves being outdoors. He certainly doesn't want to be confined to an office, but he coordinates trips like the one that he just did with us here. Did an amazing job. We love his input and handling of all the details to make things easy for us. I mean, that would be one quick example where you could do that. And yes, you create your own business. I mean, he gets paid not as an employee, not because he's working for some company, but because he gets commissions on the travel plans that people create through him. Very legitimate model. I mean, that would certainly be one way to do that. So create ideas where you would have four or five different ways that you could combine your love of animals, being outdoors, and also travel and tourism. That's just one. Expand on that. Start from there. Put a plan together. You can do it. All right, now this one comes from Bruce, who says, I am one of those who bought into the myth that a college degree is all I would need to be successful. In fact, I bought into the myth multiple times and now find myself with a bachelor's degree and two advanced degrees, one of which is a law degree. Along with those degrees, I'm well into six figures of student loan debt. I'm now in my early 40s, struggling to stay motivated and questioning whether being an attorney is the best fit for my personality. I took the disc profile and I'm a very high S with some C characteristics, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what I like doing, what would be best fit for my personality, skills, and abilities. 
Additionally, I struggle with overcoming the fear of trying something new and believing that I can succeed. One thing that I think I would enjoy is being a coach to help others in situations similar to mine, but I have no experience as an entrepreneur and do not regularly have people seeking me out for advice about life and careers. How difficult would it be for me to succeed as a coach? Can anyone be successful as an entrepreneur? Are there some who will never fit that model? Bruce. Well, Bruce would pack a whole lot of great questions in there. Let's just go through them kind of one at a time, just real quickly. Obviously, this is going to be a a bird's eye view of what are some very deep questions that you have. When you say that you are now an attorney and you're thinking again, this may not even be a best fit. I would encourage you to stay in the practice of law because you've invested so much time and energy and money there. But here, here's beyond that. Don't, don't think that this is one of the situations where I'm just going to say, you know, bite the bullet, stay miserable. No, not at all. But think about the broad continuum of things that are possible within the practice or profession of law. You say that you're a high SC, so that implies that you're more introverted, you're quiet, like to stay behind the scenes. Well, knowing that, don't position yourself to do courtroom law. Don't put yourself in the position of of doing litigation or even taking depositions. Put yourself in a position in the field of law where you can embrace what you know about yourself personally. So that may be research or, um, you know, preparing documents, pulling together what's going to be required for the primary attorney, you know, that's in a particular case. You know, put your, look at the possibilities there. They're still going to validate your degree. I mean, this is going to be tough to just pull out and find something else that you're going to do especially because you describe clearly that you are not an entrepreneur. So a lot of things where we could show how to get rid of the big debt that you've accumulated, student loan debt, which makes my heart break that you've done that. And certainly being an entrepreneur, there are a lot of ways that you could uh, get into things. You hear me talk about examples here week after week where people make big money pretty quickly and can wipe that out. But I'm not going to artificially suggest that for you because it doesn't sound like you are an entrepreneur. I think you can be successful and experience the benefit of the education that you have and be rewarded with a high salary for doing with excellence something in the field of law. Now, you hear the question real quickly. Can you be a coach? The fact that you say you have no experience being a coach and people aren't asking you for their advice and opinion, that's a real red flag. And frankly, to be a coach in the way that I usually present it here, and when you hear me talk about all the people that we have, like uh, Giovanna Ellison and Aaron Walker and others who are really knocking it out of the park as a coach, they're very entrepreneurial. They're very outgoing. They're very assertive. They're very aggressive. And that's what makes them so successful so quickly in what they're doing, in addition to be, you know, being a fine coach. But they, the business model fits them well. And for you to try to move into that and make it work when you have more of a counselor's heart than a coaching heart, no, I wouldn't encourage it. But I think you don't be too quick to throw the baby out with the bath. Stay where you are and look for opportunities that are there. Okay, this comes from, uh, well, well, it's actually a name that I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing. What business ideas come to your mind when you visited Kenya last year? Both my wife and I, our, our natives 
but they're in Southern California and not fulfilled. We're considering relocating back to Kenya for business and are building some holiday apartments in uh, Mawapa, a small town in Mombasa. Well, when, when I was in Kenya last year, uh, frankly, it wasn't a real positive experience for me. Now, we were visiting my son Jared and his family there, and of course, we loved the time there, but it, w- it had zero attraction for me as a place to live and grow businesses. Now, unfortunately, what, what I observed there, and this was, we were there for about a month. So granted, this is a brief synopsis. This is a brief look into a culture that has a long history, and I'm certainly no expert on it at all. But it appears to me that the people who are making money there, rather than engaging the local people and equipping them and lifting them up, the people who are making money there are taking advantage of the people who are there. And it's not the people who are natives, who are locals there, who are rising up, who are doing developing the businesses. It's expats. It's people who are from Britain and Germany and Norway and China and India and the United States. Those people are moving in. And yeah, they can set up a business where and very quickly, you know, make money in doing that. But in many ways, it's taking advantage of the people who need help. Now, that's more than we can unpack here in 30 seconds, obviously. But I didn't find any businesses there that I would be interested in doing in Kenya. I was, I was eager to move on because I, I was concerned. I, I was saddened by so much of what I saw in terms of the business environment there, the way that people make, make money, how the people at the top, even in the local culture, take advantage of those at the bottom rather than try to truly help them. There, there are generation after generation of cultural things that have been built in there. I mean, I've talked about this with Jared, my son, and, and as a result, they've chosen to leave Africa. They're moving to Costa Rica. Uh, the, oh, that's a change. You've heard me talk about them moving to Brazil. They've changed their mind on that. They have uh, two new babies on the way. And uh, because of that and some other factors, have chosen to stay a little closer while still starting on that next adventure. So it looks like San Jose, um, Costa Rica is going to be the next stop, at least temporarily, which we're excited about, incidentally. That's going to be a fun place to visit. So I'm not, I'm not really much help in terms of what business ideas came to me in Kenya. There were too many complicating factors there, and I was pretty uh, discouraged by the whole scenario. Patrick says, I work in benevolence at a church that has nine campuses. I have a vision of tying people who come for help into resources that can change their lives. We have small groups that are utilizing Dave Ramsey's financial peace, but that cannot help people that don't have an income. We desperately need a seven to nine week curriculum to take people through this 48 days process. Your dream job CDs look like the best thing you have for this at the time. Could you not easily take this to a video series maybe even leveraging your relationship with Dave to cross market through his distribution channels and share an affiliate arrangement. We need this resource. People need this to help them break out of their cycle of unemployment or underemployment. Can we have it tomorrow? Well, thanks Patrick. I thank you for your inquiry. Hang on. We're developing as fast as we can. It will be not an expansion of dream job, but it'll be the 48 days to the work you love with a full curriculum to walk people through no matter where they are academically, no matter where they are socioeconomically. I'm totally, totally excited about it. 
And in as much as I wanted to have it ready by now, it just simply is not quite ready yet. But we're working on it, and I'll keep you posted on the progress we're getting with that. Joe says, 2014 was a different year for me. Uh, One year ago, well, let me skip over this. He had both hips replaced, is recovering. During that time that we were recovering, I read Wisdom Meets Passion No More Mondays. Once again, I was challenged, encouraged, and blessed by your gift. Thank you. I wanted to share with you that in your January 25th, 2014 podcast, you read the proverb, without the rocks, the stream would lose its song. Well, this just jumped out at me. The next day as I was preparing to worship music for service, I began to write a worship song called Create in Me. And that proverb is the first line of the song. I sang the song my first Sunday back leading service. I've not had a chance to do a proper recording of it. I want to do more than a guitar vocal recording of it. And then, and then what happens? I will get you a copy. In closing, I hope to see you in May for Coaching with Excellence. Joe Santucci. Well, Joe, I'll look forward to that. I remember when you sent me copies of one of your previous CDs that we shared with people. So I know you're a talented musician. So I'm being looking forward to hearing your song where it starts out without the rocks, the stream would lose its song. Sounds wonderful. Well, hey, just a reminder there that if you want to submit a question, we'd be delighted to review that. Lots of them come in. I've been on the road the last couple of weeks, so we have a whole big pile of questions there. So don't feel ignored if I don't answer your question, but I do really value having those come in. Obviously, just sort through, pick out a few that we can answer here, and I'm delighted to do so. And hope that in picking questions like this, that I choose ones that do relate to many of you who are listening. So this is always addressed certainly to the person who wrote it, but knowing that the principles relate to many, many of us at the same time. So just shoot that question. You can go to the 48days.com link, click on the podcast link there, and then just look for that red starburst. You can submit your question right there or just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Now here, um, I got a question says, did you ever read Ogmandino's? This is from Carson. Did you ever read Ogmandino's work? Ever meet him or know of anyone who did? I love his trilogy of books that span about 20 years, The Greatest Miracle in the World, then The Return of the Ragpicker, and finally The Greatest Mystery in the World. Who was Simon Potter, an angel, or did Og just make him up? Well, yes, I did have the pleasure of meeting Ogmandino. You know, he's in that category of just brilliant people. Some, there's something about those strange names, I think, because I've also had the pleasure of meeting Oz Guinness, who's another brilliant, brilliant guy. But Ogmandino is best known for writing The Greatest Salesman in the World. That is a classic book that still is ranked really high, continues to sell, although it was written years and years ago. Well, actually, it was written back in 1983, so... You can do the math. That's a long time ago for a book to still be that popular. But yes, I love his material. Ogmandino, highly recommended. Thanks for your question. Now, the next one here, it's funny, the tie-in, and this so often happens. This question comes from Mike, who says, this is Mike in Orange Beach, the one whose wife wasn't thrilled about me starting a blog on, my, on the couch in my PJs. I remember that question well. I think I titled the segment that week, something about that. My wife's not supportive of me being in my, on my, in my PJs on the couch. 
Anyway, uh, Mike says, I hope your cruise went well. I looked at your agenda. It sounded incredible. I responded to your challenge to read or listen for 30 minutes a day to inspirational, motivational material for six months to double my income and began around August 18th. Well, I did it for about six weeks and then gradually fell off. I let my busy schedule take priority instead of following through and doing what I said I was going to do. I still read and listen to podcasts during each week, but not according to your challenge. After I quit, I kept thinking, what would Dan think about you giving up? And began coming up with my list of excuses, pretty good ones, until I realized this is a pattern in my life. The funny thing is that when you give up on something like that, there is such a terrible sense of guilt that makes me put it off even further. Some really good things did come from those first six weeks. I started my blog and received a promotion at work, so I'm trying to understand what would make me give up on this goal. I decided to go old school and reread Psycho-Cybernetics, and I think I've discovered my problem, but wanted your input. The first book in the category I stumbled upon back in the day was The Greatest Salesman in the World. One we just talked about by Ogmandino, and I fell in love with self-help inspirational books. Hundreds of ideas and plans later, I have never really committed myself. I really did some self-examination, and I realized that if I admit it deep down, I don't think I'm worthy of all these ideas and dreams. I know the incredible potential that all people have, but for some reason, I don't really believe that pertains to me. Dr. Maxwell Maltz suggests that positive thinking literally cannot work when it is inconsistent with a self-image until that self-image itself has been changed. I think this relates to procrastination, resistance, hesitation, and many other methods for not following through, and I fear I am not alone. Sorry about the length, but do you think I'm onto something, or is it just another excuse? By the way, beginning with psychocybernetics, I'm starting my own six-month challenge, and you don't even have to buy me lunch. Incidentally, we're at the end of the time period there. I know that I just kind of impulsively threw that challenge out six months ago. Well, we're right at the period of time, right here at the end of February, where that would end. Now, I've got quite a few of you who have contacted me, and I can't wait to hear those stories. And yes, you know, that offer stands. If you did exactly as I laid out, if you spent 30 minutes a day for every day for six months, I said it would double your income. And if you did so, I wanted to buy your lunch so I could hear your story about what you did along the way, because obviously it takes more reading. Reading leads to new thinking, new levels of belief, new, new levels of planning and taking action. So I wanted to hear about all that. And I've got some of you that I'm going to be meeting with. Similarly, I said, if you in fact did listen for 30 day, th minutes a day for six months and did not double your income. I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to take you lunch as well because I wanted to hear what happened. How is that possible that you could not have doubled your income if you in fact had that plan of positive input on such a consistent basis? Well, anyway, back to, back to Mike's question here. What Mike is asking about is what about this connection between self-image and positive thinking? Can we read things that will lead us to new opportunities if our self-image is too low to allow us to believe that we deserve it? Now, that's one of those, that's one of those really, really 
big places we could stop and park. Remember the quotation we had for today? I pulled it purposely from Psycho-Cybernetics, where Dr. Maltz says, accept yourself as you are. Otherwise, you will never see opportunity. You will not feel free to move toward it. You will not feel you are deserving. Here's some other quotations from Psycho-Cybernetics. Often the difference between a successful man and a failure is not one's better abilities or ideas, but the courage that one has to bet on his ideas, to take a calculated risk and to act. Now that's a biggie. I mean, how many times have I witnessed people who had the right information? They had all the knowledge that they needed, but they never were willing to pull the trigger. I mean, I hear people who are writing a book that they've been working on for seven years. They're going to do an online course they've been working on for 10 years. You know, and I think, how is that possible? I mean, what, what would it take for you to pull the trigger? Now, I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that I'm not ready to pull the trigger and some things that I want to have as deliverables. I don't, don't want to just throw garbage out there, but you, that, there's that fine tension between having what Eric Reese calls in the lean startup, a minimally viable product. There's a real balance between that minimally viable product and something that is perfect. And a lot of you wait too long looking for perfection and never pull the trigger. So, you know, you want to get in the game. But if your self-image is what's holding you back, then work directly in your self-image. It may not be a matter of getting your product better. It may be a matter of getting you better so that you feel comfortable releasing what you have to share with the world. Another quotation from Psycho-Cybernetics, the most important sale in life is to sell yourself to yourself. That's true. I mean, we can encounter that a lot when people go on interviews. I mean, a lot of times the biggest challenge is having the confidence to believe the product they're selling is worth something. That product being you, the person. So we want to work on that. You know, how can you have the confidence in yourself that you bring value to the table? We ought to understand what it is that you do that has unique value. But you ought to be able to hold your shoulders back, head high, spring in your step and say, wow. You know, this company is going to lose if they don't have me on the team. Now, that's not some kind of cocky arrogance if it really is true. If you really do have something of value, then you ought to be able to share that with confidence, not in a selfish, egotistical arrogance, but just in true confidence. It comes from knowing what the truth really is. One last quotation from Psycho-Cybernetics. This is an old book. You know, been around a long time. It's one of those that was made famous by Melvin Powers. Melvin Powers was just a a genius and he made millions of dollars by republishing books that had never sold well. So he would take a book that was done well, but just hadn't been marketed well and get the publishing rights and just republish it. And that's exactly what happened with Psycho-Cybernetics. I mean, it had sold like 3000 copies, this brilliant, brilliant book he got the publishing rights to it because it had gone out of print and because of his marketing genius, you know, the book sold millions of copies. I don't know exactly how many, but it's certainly up there. But Melvin Powers is, is the guy. This last quotation, the self image is the key to human personality and human behavior. Change the self image and you change the personality and the behavior. Good stuff. Now that question is, you know, is not one 
where there's an easy resolution. When we talk about if it's your self-image that's holding you back, you need to change that. It doesn't matter how much you know, positive information you have or how much access you have to great opportunities. If it's your self-image holding you back, you know, that's going to close the door. Well, that, that's not an easy thing to just flip the switch. I realize that. But work on those things. Go back to things like uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. I mean, that's a great little book to read on how to help you improve your self-confidence, your self-image. I mean, walk a little faster. You know, practice at the mall. You can sit in the mall and you can tell just by sitting there watching people who has personal confidence and who has low self-image. It's transparent in the way they walk. Learn how to walk where it displays confidence you have. This is one of those things where you don't have to wait on on feeling better about yourself or you can act before you start acting that way, you act like you feel better, act like you have more confidence even before you feel it. Don't wait on your feelings. Your feelings will catch up with your actions. This comes from Ray who says, I'm currently in a tough job situation where I'm barely getting by. I have experience in teaching art and design for close to 20 years, but I'm lukewarm in my excitement for it. In fitness, I have only five years, but I'm ter- terrifically excited by it. Should I leverage my experience in the lukewarm area to try to improve my current situation and free up time to pursue my fitness desires? Or does it make better sense to just go for the one I'm most excited about but can get less traction with? In other words, should I do something in between going for what I really want or jump all the way? Thanks, Azillion Ray. Well, you, you've presented some artificial choices in here. When, when you say, is it better just to stay with something that's familiar, you're not excited about it, but at least predictable, or go to something that you're more excited about, but where you are obviously going to get less traction because you have less experience. Well, that's an artificial dichotomy. If it's something that you're excited about, you're going to get more traction there. Even if you have one-tenth the experience, your passion and excitement is going to open the door and translate into better results and success, you know, instantly. So, if you're really clear about that's where your passion is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would encourage you go straight to it. Don't try to create a long transition plan. Go right straight to it. It's not that complicated. Just go there, do something with excellence there. Joel says, I have a degree in music and although I love to sing along with the arts, I can't seem to make a go of it. Of having a job to support what I love. I keep doing jobs just to pay the bills, but I don't love any of them. The jobs I do love pay peanuts. How can I figure out a plan to love what I do when it comes back to being in the creative? I was just laid off from an inventory job, so I'd love your feedback. My most recent job, my most recent thought is to just get a job and then get with a career counselor to help me sort it all out. Well, you've got some great possibilities there, Joel, that you can work with, but You've created an either or scenario here, again, that is not realistic. You want to sing and be creative and be involved in the arts, but you can't seem to find a job to make a go of it. Well, that's your first challenge right there. I want you to change your expectation of finding a job that will embrace your art and creativity. I mean, I engage people all the time right here at 48 days and certainly on our property 
you know, I may need somebody to add a new sculpture to do a landscape area. I'm excited about spring. I've got some new things I want to do. Maybe a water feature, painting, or maybe a new fence down along the front of our property. But now I would never give those people a job. I mean, what I want them to do doesn't translate into 40 hours of work week after week. There's just no connection. I want their creativity. I want their artistic ability. I want their music, whatever it happens to be. But those things don't translate into, okay, how am I going to sit them at a desk and pay them for 40 hours a week of work? So I think you're looking for something that's non-existent. You want something that embraces your creativity and artistic ability, but you want it to be applied then in something that requires you to do repetitive work 40 hours a week. It just, it doesn't fit. The model doesn't go together. So be realistic about what kind of work would be an application of your art, your creativity. But it's not likely to look like a job ever. Now, if you need to have a job, if it's counting inventory or doing data input or something where you get a paycheck for 40 hours a week and you're fine with that and you still have discretionary time in your life, where you can do the things that you really enjoy that you're passionate about in the artistic creative world. I mean, that's fine. I mean, not every hobby, not every passion needs to be turned into your primary source of income. I mean, there are plenty of people who are doing things responsibly where they're getting a paycheck and then they use their own discretionary time for the things about which they're most passionate. Here's another idea. I'll give you a quick idea that just came to mind in terms of what I'm planning to do here in my property. This is just a recent epiphany for me. I've had the urge to get an old classic muscle car. But at the same time, I don't take the time to go to car shows, you know, and sit in a lawn chair for six hours on a Saturday afternoon talking to other old geezers about their cars. I mean, that that part's not really appealing to me. I do love the cars. I love the nostalgia of old cars that had classic lines and all that. But I also, with spring coming have some areas on our property that I really want to develop into some dramatic landscape areas. If you've been to the sanctuary, a lot of you have already seen some of the things we've done, you know, that incorporates a zip line launching area and where the Eagle Aristotle is carved out of a cedar tree. And then uh, we've got a lot of hostas around that area and it's lit up at night and all. And then the area where the new bronze Athena is where we've got, walking trail behind it. Little kids can go behind it. They can go up and stand with an eagle. We take photos there and all that. Well, I've got an area that I really want to develop that is incorporated right into a turn in the driveway between our primary house and the sanctuary. So it's a connector and it's been kind of an eyesore for me. I cleared it a couple years ago, planted raspberry and blueberry bushes in there. I was really excited about it. And, oh, those lush berries developed just right according to schedule. And just the day before they were ready to pick, the deer came in and cleaned it out. And I discovered there was no way in the world I could keep ahead of the deer and the bird, birds or the berries that were there. And so I pulled the bushes out, and I've had nothing there. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a classic car. Now, I'm going to get like a 19, 1931 Ford Model A. 
or maybe even something newer. Um, I, I just missed the other day um, a 1957 Chevy Nomad station wagon. Now, here's the deal. It had no motor or transmission in it, no windows on it, and it was, you know, rusty, had that old paint patina, and it. it was exactly what I wanted because I want to set a body like that right in the corner and then develop landscape theme around it where I'll have flowers coming out of the windows. But I'll still, you'll still be able to detect the body style, the rich, old, exotic, elegant lines of a classic car setting in there. So that's one of my projects. Now, I throw that in. Obviously, I got carried away on that because I, I'm excited about the idea. But that's the kind of thing that I will engage some people to help me develop that. But that's not, those are not people who will be given jobs where they can expect 40 hours of work a week, you know, week after week after week. That's a project that we'll work on. Maybe it will take a month or something. I don't know to do that. But I need people who are artistic to help me with that. But I don't need people who are looking for jobs. They are not going to be the people that I will engage for that. Not at all. Well, you know what? I'm going to leave you with just. Tell you what, we're, we're going to end with just one question here. I'm going to, I want to read the quotation again that we had for the day because I think it's so, so critical. Again, from Dr. Maxwell Maltz, accept yourself as you are. Otherwise, you will never see opportunity. You will not feel free to move toward it. You will feel you're not deserving. All right. But now here's the question that I'm not going to answer. And I want you to answer. I want your answers on this. It comes from Jared who says, why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Is it because they both keep doing the same things? That's my question for you. I want the wisdom of you, the listeners. Why do the rich get rich and the poor get poor? I'll tell you what. This episode is going up on March 6th. So I'll allow a couple weeks in between here. and Then we'll do a theme where we focus just on that alone. Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? We'll come back to that. But I want your input to help develop that theme. So we'll move toward that. That's going to be what we're going to work on. We'll go out with our normal, our normal song here. Thanks for being part of this community of people who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Stuck in the J-O-B Can someone set me free? I've had enough of this this life is meaningless These hours don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away The clock is ticking so don't delay It's gonna take your whole heart It's gonna take all you've got Say